see where he was, but I guess he was at the back. And he does the introductions. And he's like, and now, Dr. Susan Little. <laughs> it's like, what the? <laughs> wow. <laughs> sorry for saying sorry. Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. This is the Purr Podcast. That was a pretty good beginning for us. It was a great yeah, beginning. Yeah, we have trouble us. with beginnings. Yes. No, yeah. we. <laughs> we, how do okay. you we? I have trouble with beginning. So Are you Yola, reflecting now? I'm reflecting. Okay. So Yola has described me on a recent podcast as looking like a deer in the headlights mm -hmm. because I never know like who's supposed to start. Mm -hmm. And one time we both got kind of stuck and nobody started. There was an awkward pause. Ooh. And so our guest decided to start the podcast yes. for us. Oh, that's who amazing. Yeah. What's the guest? You guess. You, you can guess. Who, who amongst our little friends, circle of friends, friends would, would, would have jump taken in and over immediately yeah. without who do you think asking. would do it Justine uh, cool. almost. almost it's more in the other gender type <laughs> Eric like, yeah. maybe Eric Uncle Eric, Eric. Yeah. Uncle, Uncle Eric, Eric. Uncle Eric. Uncle Eric. Yeah. I like Uncle <laughs> E you know yeah. it's like a, it has this this dark connotation with it but yeah, <laughs> so Uncle, Uncle Eric uh, filled the gap and started the podcast. I mean yeah. that's his jam <laughs> I know that's his jam so he saved us Area. So we always had this kind of. I thought that was a smooth start, though. Yes, I do need to tone the. the are the we sound too loud? A little bit. Yeah, we are. A little We're bit. having no, too much fun. Okay. No, that's okay. Should it's, I lean back? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No, no, it's just no, the laughter thing. You're supposed to fun. always lean in. Lean in. Yeah, lean in. Exactly. Lean in. So, so we have a wonderful guest for today, and maybe you can introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, everybody, Christopher Byers. Oh, yay! We're the so happy. Chris we Byers. finally had a chance to have yes. you. Yes, it's chat. finally, finally aligned. Yay. I, I think people probably know you by your other name. Yeah. What's your oh, social media handle? Oh, I guess handle? that other name the is other Critical name. Care DVM. Yeah. yeah. Great name, by the way. It's, thank you. It yeah. comes from a, a faculty member, actually. Really? That, you stole it? <laughs> um, in school, yeah. um, I never thought I was going to do internal medicine. So where'd you go to school? I went to school Let's at Cornell. Oh, well, Cornell. I did an undergrad at Colorado State. Yeah. And then went to Cornell. Yeah. Cornell. And I always knew I was going to do emergency critical care. You really? Did. Always you knew I was going to do emergency and critical care. You huh. did. And then there was a faculty member during medicine rotation that literally said to me, Okay, Chris, we know you're the critical care DVM of the class, uh -huh. but you're really good at medicine and you should consider doing... Internal um, an internal medicine residency and Ooh. so that's always stuck and he's actually honestly the reason i did an internal medicine residency. residency when somebody that you respect so much really? says you're good at something you're like okay i'll do it okay <laughs> so, that's the start so wow. where do you do your residency so did my residencies at uh veterinary referral associates in gaithersburg maryland oh okay so that's a private practice residency. A private practice yeah. residency done okay concurrently <laughs> why well, you did two at the, in, in in the time okay. span of one so we are oh, always wow. interested in people's uh, like educational path and we've heard some really interesting but i've not heard this this one, one yet. will yeah. speed it up though yeah you know yeah. we had we had a person that yesterday 25 25 years, 25 years yeah. of education but it was so multiple degrees but 
Okay, six years count, crammed no, no. into. Okay, okay. Let's count so from the beginning. undergrad. So, undergrad. so four years of undergrad, four, four years of DVM, DVM one year of internship Intern. in Nine. Long Island, yeah, and then four years of residency. Thirteen. Thirteen. Wow, that's a record and I a think double that's, dip here. That's huh? one of the shortest. Double dipping. Pretty good. That's so, amazing. what was it like to manage two? Residencies. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I, I honestly, is is this a common it's thing? I, this is no, new no. to me. It actually doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. it a particular program at that? Yeah, there were, uh, to my knowledge, there were three double residency programs at that time. Two were critical care and medicine. One where I did mine. The other at the animal medical, medical center. center. And then there was the combined critical care anesthesiology at pen okay mm. wow and i think that's what that's it. our colleague ben brainerd did he did that one mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so that, wow. that that's really interesting so that's double shift duties double everything or mm-hmm. how, oh my gosh oh. you got it double and then, exam and then only year one do you not have to take an exam oh yes. <laughs> at the end of year two you take your medicine qualifier yeah or general exam, as they call it now. Yeah, general. Third exam, third year, you take your critical care uh, certifying exam, and at the end of your fourth year, you take your medicine, medicine certifying exam. What that meant was, if you passed, thankfully I did, yeah. your critical care exam at the end of your third year, you were the lowest paid criticalist in the entire world <laughs> for your fourth year of residency. <laughs> Yeah, although wow. I, do, I do have to say, Chris, I, I feel really bad for you here, but I do have to, I do have to say... He I says was, with a smile. I, 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 was, I was looking at the AVMA uh, State of the Profession, and they showed that interns make now $30,000 a year, a year in average. And That's not when a lot of money. I started my internship, I got $13,500. Thirteen but, but it probably went further. Like you it was probably... the same year. It was the same emergency duties. <laughs> it was the same stuff. It didn't go any farther than no, that. No, no. So I mean, your like I mean, your money third. might have bought more because yeah. that was like a I long can't remember time that. ago. I know it was no, a long time ago. Oh, they're gonna start okay. fighting. Yeah, no, so <laughs> this is what happens. This was happened. So I can't kick her because yeah. Well, our, well, my hat is definitely off to you. That's yes. Yes. That's those those nice training thing. programs. Are no wow. longer allowed. Yeah. yeah. Um, they redid Maybe things for... at all the colleges, so now it's residency fellowship. Yeah, residencies and fellowships. And that's, you know, I did my fellowship too uh, in, in surgical oncology and I had a fellowship in uh, minimal invasive. Uh, but I think that, I think that's probably the better way to mm-hmm. do it. I agree. Because, mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't, honestly don't know if I would do it again. Mm-hmm. I would always do critical care. I don't know if I would do medicine. Really? I think I would mm-hmm. probably either do anesthesiology because i do like critical anesthesia hmm. yeah but i might do a phd in hematology immunology that's, that's really cool. what i love that's, that's cool that's cool and so who were your teachers so who were your main characters Mentors, in your I guess. Yeah. my main mentor in under uh, in undergrad was somebody named tom field he's an animal sciences professor hmm. and interestingly enough he was at colorado state and now is a faculty member at the University of Nebraska, where oh, I live in Nebraska yeah, yeah. now. Oh, so wow. we're still in touch. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in college, it was Dr. Nishi Dupa, mm. who is a criticalist internist. Mm-hmm. And she was just an absolute phenomenal mentor. I loved all the faculty, to be honest. And my two favorite rotations in vet school were yes. 
large animal medicine and large animal surgery. Oh. And for me to say yeah. large animal yeah. surgery, that's a lot, but I did love it because oh. it was so novel to me. I didn't I grow up around large animals. so yeah. uh, I loved my equine rotation because I did not grow up around horses and it was like an amazing world to me. Yeah. Oh, I, I get have, that. I have one too. I have one too. And during uh, my vet school, one of my favorite rotations was cutting cow hooves. It was a yeah. whole oh, week. Oh, hoof trimming. Hoof trimming of hoof cows. Care. And it was a whole week and I was in the countryside and I loved uh, it. So I have a funny story about hoof trimming. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a lot so, of funny hoof trimming yeah. stories. Uh, the ambulatory professors didn't really get me. No. <laughs> um, the, the, se- the section me, chief. They, they didn't get me either. So <laughs> it's okay. You know, the section chief would bring us all over, and one we had two ambulatory rotations, and one of them it was all small animal people. Yeah. And we were super excited because we're just sponges, right? Yeah. yeah. He brings us over to this downer cow, and he asks me what I should do with the downer cow, mm. and. You guys know that I'm not precocious at all. So I said, <laughs> well, I know you want me to say give hypertonic saline dexamethasone, hypertonic uh, saline glucose, uh, a calcium. calcium. Yeah, the calcium thing. I was and waiting for the calcium. Waiting for the calcium. And, you know, all these things that you're supposed to do. One, two, three, four. But I said, but for me, you haven't proven that this cow is hypocalcemic you haven't proven that this cow is hypoglycemic you haven't proven that hypertonic saline is the fluid of choice compared to an isotonic crystalloid yada 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 (laughs) and he looks at me and says you want to be an internist don't don't you you?" (laughs) and i was like yeah 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 way to make friends well those are some interesting points why don't you go trim the hooves of this <laughs> house? <laughs> that kind of over there. It's the hook trimming. <laughs> banished to hook yes, trimming. Yes, all right. That was the end of the I was banished. career right there. All right. I good, hear good, you. Good. So this podcast is really about cats. <laughs> <laughs> Which you would never say. know. <laughs> exactly. Not a lot of so. hoof trimming in feline medicine. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, not so a lot of hoof trimming. So after you did your residency and your internships in yeah. the mm-hmm. what happened with you? So I actually stayed on at my residency training site. Mm-hmm. Um, in Maryland. In Maryland. The person, right, it was weird because <clears throat> the person who was the head of ICU stepped down. As I was finishing my residency and I was made head of ICU fresh out of residency. So I never even had a junior attending position, which was a challenge. And I'm glad I had it. And it wasn't always smooth. No, yeah. um, Yeah. Baptism of fire. It helped me grow. (laughs) And how busy busy was that that ICU? Because I I have to say, I'm only uh, used to ICUs in academic settings and i know that that can be pretty busy but i bet that they in private setting they're really busy too so that hospital and i never verify this i just took Mm -hmm. the word of my mentors was the largest private practice ecc training site in private practice Uh, at the time we had one two four critical care faculty members and 
five or six critical care residents. And wow. I did find out I'm passively corrected by saying ICU. I need to say ECC. Is that better? ECC. And then, of course, you can, because <laughs> you don't want to, I mean, I don't, my passion is more in critical care, yeah. but there are many colleagues in the critical care college that are more passionate about emergency medicine. So we got to, we want to be inclusive. We have to change our terminology. Corrected. Change our terminology. And so how long did you do that? So I stayed with that hospital for four years. Mm -hmm. And in February of 2011, I left. And moved to Nebraska. Oh, Why wow. Nebraska? I moved to Nebraska. Quite a change. Uh, to work at the private practice hospital that was owned and operated by Kansas State. Uh-huh. So oh. kind of had the best of both worlds and that I got to keep working in private practice and mm-hmm. avoid some of the mm-hmm. uh, bureaucratic yep. red tape, so to speak, that comes with a pure academic position. Yep. But also got to teach students. It was yep. actually a really neat program in that the hospital was purely nonprofit. Yeah. And the university owned a duplex, a men's side and a woman's side. And students could come do an elective rotation in either medicine or surgery. But the unique thing was because we did not have house officers Mm. and we only took one student in surgery and one student in medicine, it was one-on-one. Wow, that's good. Got to do No a lot. fighting. So yeah. think about being that student on surgery. Wow. Yep. That's, you got to do pretty ma- everything. dozens of yep. first assistant surgeries as a student yeah. during that rotation. So it's very, very popular. I think uh, Roger Finland started with that That's, practice. That yeah. is the one who opened it, yes. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And yeah. Roger Finland was my surgery mentor. Really? Yeah. So he was my surgery resident advisor and and leader, and uh, I owe my career to Roger. Oh, you know we we live in a small world. We do. He's my boss. (laughs) Yes, and I have to say hello to Roger over the podcast. Hi, Roger, if you're listening, (laughs) big plug for you. He's at the Ohio State. He is now now at the The Ohio Ohio State. State. So that that was the next step. Uh, And I called him Uncle Roger. Uncle Roger. I don't know if I could ever call him (laughs) Uncle Roger. He was just the boss. Yes. Um, but in 2015, things changed at the university. Yeah. They sold the practice yeah. to a corporate entity. Yeah. And Roger moved from Manhattan yes, to Columbus. To the Ohio State. Yeah. And uh, I had fallen in love with Omaha. Mm-hmm. So you're really close to me as a man. Yeah, we're very close. So yeah, okay, we need to meet on uh, on Midwest soil. There, yes, I think. Well, absolutely. Because how long? It's only how, a couple how, hours away. Yeah, it's a couple hour drive. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's good. Not in the winter though. <laughs> I'm not doing that. No, you know, I'm, he's not I'm a winter person. I, I'm I'm right there with him. Yes, it's so not a winter we, person. We meet each other then in in warmer <laughs> yeah. cultures and climates. But yeah. uh, so no, that's that's really cool. So now you're in Omaha, Nebraska, and and you know. As a Kansan right now, Joe Kirk Kansan, I have to say that it is um, much nicer living in Kansas right now than it used to be when I was much younger. And so I really enjoy it, as a matter of fact. I enjoy living in the Midwest. Uh, yeah. People are You're super nice. You're there at nice the right time. And- I, I, I love Omaha. And as a 
well, New Hampshire Seacoast person, but most people don't know where mm-hmm. Rochester, New Hampshire is. So I say about an hour north of Boston. Yeah. So as an East Coaster, if yeah. I ever thought I would yeah. say that I was going to live yeah. in Omaha. Because that's quite a shift, cultural <laughs> shift. When, yeah. when you say Boston, we can hear it a little bit. It, it, so my Sneaks team in. members laugh at me. Because the accent usually comes out either when I'm inebriated, uh-huh. which they don't get to see, or when sure, I'm Chris. exhausted. Exhausted. Yeah. Exhaustion yeah. brings it out. Yeah. Or when I'm mad. Yeah. I can't lie. It, it yeah. really does come out when I get mad. So uh-huh. I'm an East Coast of Canada person, and yeah. my accent has flattened out because I've lived in Ontario a long time. But when I go home. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Isn't it amazing home, how much yes. it comes out? It's yeah. back. I might come in in the morning, one morning to the hospital, and obviously I'm not tired, I'm not drunk, Hopefully. and I'm not mad. <laughs> and they're like, did you talk to your parents yes. last yeah. night? Yeah. Yeah. How'd you know? Because yeah. we can hear right. it. We can hear it. Yeah. That's me to a <clears throat> yeah. T. Yeah. yeah. When Susan starts talking great of a grand strawberry or whatever the thing is, she <laughs> immediately gets an accent. Because there's a giant strawberry that's a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. He just can't get over it. Yes. A tourist <laughs> attraction. You know. Well, interestingly, my dad is from Brule Beach, Nova Scotia. <gasps> Brule! Go away. Okay, nope. okay. folks on the go camping. Go away. Folks yeah, on the camping. We would go to Brule Beach every no summer. kidding. Yeah. We're neighbors. No. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? That is crazy. Um, yeah, have you been back to Nova Scotia? Not for about a decade. Okay, come visit me. Okay. I, I live in Truro these days. Okay, dear yeah. listeners, I'm sorry. very sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. That's what happens when you get two uh, people with the maritime connections together. Just excuse us. We're going to go chat amongst ourselves. So we are going to focus on cats. No. Emergency <laughs> critical care. Things, yeah. Right 20 now. minutes in, we're getting yes. around yes. to the cats. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so, yeah. So um, we had Justine Lee, the awesome Justine Lee, yeah. in the podcast. Wonderful we talked a little Justine. bit about uh, emergency A lot of toxicities care. we talked with her and poisonings yeah. mm-hmm. and stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and we talked yep. about what are the top uh, things that you see in emergency critical care in cats. Um, um, you don't like surgery? I don't like doing surgery. I like being in the operating room mm. with the anesthesia associated okay. with those patients. So can we talk about that then a little bit? Sure. About anesthesia and critical care patients Ooh. because that is a cool topic. So, so um, I'm ob- obviously a surgeon and I loved emergency surgery because that was the only time that I could do whatever I wanted to do. Because mm-hmm. it is in the middle of the night. I have not a hundred people around me telling uh. me that I have to hurry and that sort of thing. So, And it's always the coolest cases that come up. So these are often trauma cases, sick cases, and you depend on your critical care anesthesiologist so much because they, and I would say they save the patients. I don't. I just fix them. Mm-hmm. They save them. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's true teamwork because I do think one of my primary responsibilities outside of the actual patient is letting you as the surgeon cut. You shouldn't have to worry about anything mm-hmm. but cutting. But cutting. Mm-hmm. And if you do have to worry about more than cutting, I'm not doing my job. Although I do remember that sometimes the anesthesia was screaming at me <laughs> about something I had to do. For instance, you know, when I suddenly had to convert to a open cardiac massage and <laughs> not yesterday, now, now and then a lot of expertise <laughs> followed, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I may have said, 
so like the wind many times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get this happens. patient off the table now. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah, that happens. But, yeah. Yeah. So here's here's a common scenario. You've got your um, very sick blocked cat, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, it must be a dime a dozen, oh, right? Very much so. Right. Very yeah. much so. Okay. So let's 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 talk about approach to those guys. So I think one of the things that a lot of our colleagues are really scared to do in these sick, yeah. sick, late decompensatory shock kiddos comes mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Is there afraid to do a decompressive system? Stick a needle in it. Just deflate the damn bladder. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. It buys so much time. It makes them feel better. Better. And it actually it actually facilitates catheterization because you've reduced that intraluminal pressure. If you combine decompressive cystocentesis with a very simple coccygeal epidural. I love you. Oh, and how about we just <laughs> insert twins. a little bit of atricurium in the urethra. It makes that catheterization mm-hmm. process go so much more smoothly. You don't have to use as much sedative to yep. unblock them, which is obviously better for these very decompensated patients. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that you said you know, those things. And when I bring this up, the first <clears throat> question that I get in my lectures is, but aren't you afraid for rupturing the bladder? The simple answer is no. And there was a paper done. There's a couple. I think one out of... Is it Minnesota? Minnesota. Lisa Powell and, and yeah. colleagues. And then there is another one. There's one maybe Texas or so. Anyway, I think there's yeah. two. I can just yeah. remember the Lisa Powell papers. Mm-hmm. Like 45, 44 mm-hmm. cats. Mm-hmm. Every single cat had a decompressive cystocentesis. Not a single one of them had a euro abdomen. No. Exactly. No. So, and so, even if you have a little leakage, it doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. No. Actually, that they're probably going to have a little bit of transmural yeah. exudation uh, yeah. anyway. Anyway. And, and I think so they what? found that, didn't they? Because I think, is that the study where they ultrasounded them before and after? Yeah. And they found some cats already had some uh, fluid, presumably urine. Correct. And it's probably just extra mural, transmural. Exactly. And from this the is, pressure. This is such a cool topic, but mm. we are 25 minutes. So I know. We, need we had to, too much fun. You know, this, this, I know, we did have a lot of fun in this first episode, but that means that we have a second episode. So it's a nice teaser. Mm-hmm. To be continued, yes. the blocked cat. The dun, blocked dun, cat. Dun, dun. <laughs> and we'll talk about more things because, you know, uh, critical care DVM is also very famous because of other things that you do. Yeah, we want to talk um, about your social media life a little bit. One thing I love about you is your blogs. Mm. I mean, Thanks. I am totally addicted to them. Yeah. And as you know, I share almost all of them. Oh, wow. Thank you. My, it's yeah, fun. It's really media. a uh, passion of mine to educate. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll share in the next episode yeah. how it got started. We'll Ooh. talk more about that. Awesome. So cool. uh, see you all next week or the week after. Yeah. We'll be back. All right. Bye-bye. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. 
Dr. Yurla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at G-V-E-T-S-X. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at per podcast. 